Stampede. Garner is in number 79. Recorded 1 2 2021. That's when I love for you, my dear. That's when I say for you, Marie. But it is not this, 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 That's when I know my humans and when my new soul may be, then my Spanish, my world is hard, my real. Spanish, 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 In some way, I've often thought a top-down economy might be the best way to deal with the financial mess that faces this country. Now, you might think when I say top-down economy, I'm saying the economy works best 
when the wealthy people and the corporations at the top start trickling down resources to everyone and every business below. But that's not exactly what I believe. I'm more in favor of making all those at the top come down to the basement where everybody else lives. I'm not a socialist or a Marxist. I'd just like the corruption and the deceit to come to an end. I don't like the greed and the excesses that consumerism has brought. It's produced an oligarchy with privileged people at the top who have used 99% of the people to get what they want, producing a class of workers that are nothing more than tools, making the people in this country numbers to be used and sacrificed at a moment's notice. It's what can be described as a part of the big lie. If you think you're content, that's one of the deceptions the system tries to promote. There's always that question about whether you've been told everything is all right, when in fact the ship you're on is slowly sinking. No one will tell you it's going down till they begin lowering the lifeboats and a few of the wealthy one percenters start abandoning the ship. Yeah, you're being manipulated into believing the men and women legislators in the U.S. Congress are working for you, when in fact they aren't concerned with your well-being, but only the people who can contribute to their staying in power. You see, speaking in paramilitary terms, you're to be used and sacrificed when things start turning south. You're expendable, only to be manipulated to keep the system afloat. The values you thought this country stood for were nothing more than a big lie. Dum 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 d
politician runs for office, the most common concern in a campaign is the economy. Now, that can cover a wide range of topics. A previous president once said to a political rival, it's the economy, stupid. Of course, he didn't specify whose economy. When a politician is talking to a group of auto workers about protecting their jobs, negotiating help in union contracts with management, it's to gain votes. Then again, a politician may not be offering the same help when talking to farmers on supporting wheat prices. Of course, for a politician, It could be dramatically changed when he or she is talking about switching over from fossil fuel vehicles to electrical vehicles. Or a politician could be talking about opening up drilling rights on federal lands to corporate oil executives. Or suggesting the shutting down of coal-operated electrical plants. It can be confusing to whom and what a politician should say when it comes to the economy. And to speak openly about this, politicians often determine how they feel about a specific subject by how much their political campaigns are funded. In fact, it's not a stretch to say certain powerful interests pick the person they want to run for office. That's a way of saying money talks and determining who is going to be elected to high office in this country. And the truth of that is, for the people, it doesn't matter what the condition of the economy may be, because powerful interests determine what should be done, and it doesn't necessarily include the best interests of the people. It can be where the bottom line is of a corporation. 
fire a lot of workers, and the stock of a company rises dramatically because its costs are lowered. The workers who vote in an election don't matter. Just the companies that contribute to a political campaign. That's how priorities are determined. <laughs> oh, <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> been accused of being judgmental. Well, rightfully so. I am judgmental. Every day in most of my life, I've had to make decisions. While driving a car, I make hundreds of decisions. Even walking up a flight of stairs, my body makes judgments. And if I don't negotiate those stairs properly, or If I incorrectly operate my automobile, there can be consequences to my actions. 
Now, this is true for nearly everybody and everything. I make judgments. And because I consider myself a sensitive individual, I pass judgment when I'm in a museum of art and looking at paintings, sculptures, or any other creative thing. I pass judgment. I can stare at a Titian 16th century painting endlessly and say it's beautiful. Or I can quickly pass by a 20th century work of Francis Bacon's self-portrait and think, I'm not interested in what he's saying. Both artists were creative individuals, and for that I show respect. However, there are lots of things I find offensive. For example, if I'm in the Rocky Mountains and I see trash that has been thrown by a riverbank, I'm repulsed by the selfishness of someone who would do that. I like seeing things as they are, and usually I don't like being deceived, unless it's an artist, like a magician, or some other skilled creative person, expert at tricking me. I respect those people. But other things, big things, like our economy, I don't like being deceived because there is a long history of people being seriously hurt, believing in something that wasn't true. And this is what I'm getting at. For 50 years now, this country has been a debtor country. And somewhere, somehow, it will stop. And it will not end well, especially since the people and corporations running this country want to deceive you into believing everything is going to be all right. But it isn't all right. And it isn't going to end well. And it'll be ugly, like a Francis Bacon painting. Wait, 
What a country uses as its currency for transactions of goods and services is the foundation of its economy. Of course, other important ingredients of an economy are a country's defense and even the stability of the contentment of its citizenry. Real anger and dissatisfaction among a population can have a profound effect on an economy, and it can sometimes be the result of distrust, a loss of confidence, suspicion, or a deep doubt when people have been told things that aren't true, or when real disruption in a society occurs. Now there's something to be said about that. COVID-19 has definitely disrupted America, and for that matter, countries around the world. It's no exaggeration to say it is a crisis of historic proportions, and to not accept that it's disrupted the economy would be deceptive. This calls into question why the U.S. stock markets on Wall Street are constantly making new record highs. Are the prices of stocks for American companies a true reflection of their value? Well, quite honestly, I'm not an economist, and I could not evaluate a company's financial statement. But I do know this. The Federal Reserve sets what is the interest rate at which money can be borrowed. And today, that rate is in effect 0%. You, as an individual, can't borrow money at 0%, but the big banks and large corporations can. In other words, they get money for free because the Federal Reserve distributes it at record numbers, and companies listed on Wall Street use that money to purchase their stock with little to no regard for the health of their value. There is a real crisis caused by COVID-19 on Main Street in this country, with hundreds of thousands of people dead, with millions thrown out of work, with dramatic closures of schools and small businesses, with eviction notices, suicide rates at record numbers. And yet the stock value of companies continues to rise. That, if nothing else, should tell you something is wrong, and it should make you distrust what is happening.
There are other things troubling about the strength of our economy. The contentment to the people in this country has been seriously called into question. For a majority of people in this country, life was secure. Even with its inequities, many people were satisfied in knowing their lives were protected. Raising their children in a safe environment, educating their young passed from one generation to another, to even endure downturns in the business cycles. To be sure, there were segments of the population that didn't prosper as well as some, but everyone believed in what was happening. We were like the rest of the people in this world. We had a destiny. Well, for some time now, that contentment has slowly eroded away. For decades, even for a hundred years, our promised destiny has been slowly dissolving. Dissatisfaction and distrust has replaced contentment. One of the great failures of this country for the last 50 years has been the rise of consumerism. It was designed to further our economic strength. On paper, it looked good. The more the American people worked in order to consume, the greater our economy would grow. It was a question of incentivizing people to want more, to get more. But motivating people to think that way has its costs. It's not that your children should have a good education. It's that your children will be admitted to the right schools so they can get a financially rewarding job, so they can get more. Forget about what they know. Just so they have a degree from a school that can assure their future to get more. It doesn't matter that they can't think for themselves. They must conform to the idea that getting more is what is important. And that can lead to some very ugly behavior. A sense of well-being and contentment can't be achieved by those methods. No, this is the age of saboteurs and violence.
This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard the music of Louis Armstrong's 1930 recording, Peanut Vendor, and then another composition by Armstrong, Hotter Than That, recorded in 1927, followed by more jazz of the 1920s, the recording The Laughing Stomp by Vance Dixon, followed by Gus Arnine and the Three Rhythm Boys, Then Their Eyes, a 1930 recording. And closing with two cuts of Singing the Blues, a 1927 with Big Spiderbeck's Cornet. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.